This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. We're definitely going to get into some juju to end this episode of Steelers Standard. But before we get there, before you get to the end of anything, you have to start at the beginning, boys. (laughs) And I want to talk about Seattle. I want to talk about Russell Wilson. I want to talk about the potential of Antonio Brown finding his way in a Seahawk uniform. It was reported today that Russell Wilson is pushing hard for the Seattle to for the Seattle front office to sign Antonio Brown to a contract even if it is just one year. He wants Antonio Brown. If you remember back before Antonio Brown signed with the Buccaneers last season, Russell Wilson was vocal about the Seahawks getting him uh back then. And even before last season started in the offseason, before 2020, Russell Wilson worked out with Antonio Brown. So he clearly views Antonio Brown as a weapon that can help the team and someone that he thinks he can get along with as well and can potentially, you know, I don't want to say control, but the ego won't be going too crazy with Russell Wilson, or at least he feels that way. And the way I see it is this. He's making the push hard for the team to sign it. You've pretty much almost burned every bridge you possibly could with Russell Wilson without actually kicking him off the team and losing him for good. Maybe now's the time to make a concession and say, you know what, Russ? Yeah, we will sign Antonio Brown. You got to be honest with him. You got to say, hey, this is a tough one for us. I mean, I know that he just won a Super Bowl, but as far as actually proving himself, he didn't really do that. I mean, he played half a season for a team didn't have a full off season and by the way it was COVID so it wasn't like bars were open or clubs were open and he could go out and do his usual antics so there's still a lot of prove it left but hey Russ one year three million dollars some incentives at the end of that maybe you could get it up to five or six million dollars yeah we'll give a shot at Antonio Brown I think they owe him, him that if he's clamoring for them to sign him as much as some people are reporting then they have to at least explore it honestly because yeah. you, you can't just keep turning your back to your franchise not only your franchise quarterback but your your franchise he is the seattle seahawks he's, yeah when you think of seattle seahawk football russell wilson is the number one he's the mean we said it before on the show he's the mean joe green for seattle fans he's yeah. the guy right and again uh, when you look at the this this whole thing too the one thing i think that sticks out is that um you know wilson obviously believes in ab um and they worked they worked out together last offseason don't forget uh, there's a video um that that's out there of him you know catching passes from Russell Wilson and things like that so Russ must believe that you know that he's worth bringing in um and i know that you said that the Seahawks are probably feeling like you know uh how that you can't b- burn the bridge anymore um with Russell Wilson but again to, <laughs> if this is the move that he comes to me with and like you said i, I know that AB played pretty well um, in the short season that he had, and he did catch a, sh- uh, a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Um, but, man, if I'm the Seahawks, like, is there anybody else we can get you? You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like that has to be him. Yeah, like, I feel like that has to be a, a conversation that the Seahawks are probably thinking about to themselves. Like, uh, like we don't want to anger Russ anymore, but, like, do we really want to sign Antonio Brown? But I will say this about A.B. I think I made the point when, um, you know, we were talking about him on a, on a previous episode that, um, you know, I think AB is realizing that, hey, like this is wherever I go next is going to be my last shot. Mm. Um, I'm not going to get many more. And so I'm not saying that AB is a changed man or that, um, you know, anything like that. But I do think that he's at least a little bit uh, understanding like, hey, I, I can't really screw up anymore. 
Um, and I, I think that that I'm not saying that uh, Russell Wilson is Tom Brady or that uh, AB would be living with Russell Wilson like he did with Tom Brady, but I do think that that could be a marriage that that could work out if it were to happen. Uh, just because I be- I just think that Russell Wilson's a good leader, and I don't think um, you know he must believe in him a lot. So that that must tell you something. I mean, I think. Right now, DK DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are one A, one B. The the two best receivers Russell Wilson has had the ability to throw to in his whole career. There weren't really there were there were there were just guys kind of that were floating around. Doug Baldwin was pretty good, but Doug Baldwin was good, but he had the level that these Lockett and Metcalf can certainly not Metcalf. I mean, Lockett Lockett versus Baldwin is debatable, but. It makes sense that he wants to get in another target because he's already got the two. He's playing with the two best. Why not add a third? And he's tried before with Josh Gordon. Like he clearly right. is a guy that's like, hey, these talented receivers that are out there, I want you guys to kind of get them on a cheaper deal. Like he sees what the Patriots did a lot of the time with Tom Brady. They get guys on cheaper deals that are right. way better than the deal uh, is. Or the deal is worth, and you know that's what Russell wants. He and wants as many weapons as he possibly can. And I don't know what the numbers were pre AB, post AB when Antonio Brown joined the Buccaneers last year, halfway through the season. But I'm sure it helped free up space for Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, right? So it'd be doing a favor to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett if AB was brought on to take kind of some target or some secondary pressure away from one of those guys. It just frees up the entire deep ball field for them. Absolutely. And I honestly think if I'm Seattle, you really have to pull the trigger on this one. He could be cheap. You don't have to really break the bank for him. It's not like you're the first team to really jump into those waters because the Buccaneers did last year for the half a season that AV played and then the entire playoffs and him catching a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. Uh, kind of being the cherry on top of it. So it's not like you're completely going into the situation cold. There is some kind of a track record as far as him reestablishing himself as a NFL player that isn't going to fly off the handle and off the field, get in trouble to the point where he's not going to be available for games. So I think with that in mind and the fact that I still think he is a top five wide receiver in the NFL, if he's healthy, if he has a full off season, to develop chemistry with the quarterback. And if he's not a second or third option like he was in Tampa Bay, because uh, I think if A.B. is healthy, conditioned, which we know he will be, even despite Metcalf being an absolute physical freak, I'd still probably lean towards Antonio Brown as the number one receiver there. Yeah, right. There's no reason for us to not have that indication. right? So he, go- so he goes to Seattle. He's the clear-cut number one guy with – some monsters behind him on the roster. They have the best receiving core in the NFL, at least in my mind, if that's the case. Seems like a slam dunk for Seattle. It seems like a deal that they should have done yesterday. And again, it kind of starts letting you build those bridges back up with your franchise quarterback, where as now he can sit at home at night and say, yeah, we've had our differences, but you know what? They did go out and sign AB for me, and they had to put some trust into him. And that's a big-time move for them to, to go out and do that. So there'd be a little bit of amending of fences there as far as I'm concerned, as well as potentially getting top five receiver in football for a right. very, very cheap price. I think it does a couple of things for them. You know, I think you illustrated both of them is that it might mend the fences a little bit w- with Wilson. It might make him seem a little bit uh, more comfortable and not, um, you know, this trade talk might, might die down a little bit. And on top of that, if AB is, you know, 
closely resemblant of the guy we saw last year. Um, I, I think they, they that offense 100% improves. And, oh, by the way, they just signed uh, re-signed Carson, too. Um, so right. that offense would be pretty darn good if you throw A.B. in there with it. Um, you know, I saw a post on Twitter. Even without A.B., it's still very Oh, absolutely. Good. You know, I saw a post on Twitter the other day um, about A.B. that said if A.B. hadn't gone crazy, he probably would have been one of the best receivers ever. Um, maybe the best receiver ever. And I firmly believe that. But at the same time, he's still pretty damn good um, after going crazy and after taking, a, 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 you know, an extended absence from football. He's still, Tom, like you said, I think he still has top five talent in the NFL. I don't think there's any question about that. He instantly makes any offense that he goes to better. Um, and, oh, by the way, you have Russell Wilson throwing you the ball. That sounds like an attractive place not only Absolutely. Um, to have him go for Russell Wilson in that offense, but if I'm A.B., um, I'm thinking Tampa's probably the best place for me because I have the best sure. quarterback of all time thrown to me. But, two, it's probably Russell Wilson right now. Do you guys find it interesting how we're hearing really only Tampa Bay and Seattle as possible destinations for A.B. in 2021? Places, teams that have two wide receiver ones but they have to be wide receiver 1a 1b just because they have two of those guys do you find it interesting ab has not has not made it public that he wants to go somewhere where he wants to be the guy like he was in pittsburgh for the entire second half of his career spent there i think it's a part because do you think he's he's not chase rings and well no i think he's not gonna get that big deal just yet he's not gonna get that team that's gonna sign him for a two-year, $30 million kind well, of thing. Well, I don't know if it has to be that, but maybe he plays himself into that by going somewhere where he's really the only option they have. No, he wants to play himself into that by having the quarterback that can help him do that, though. That's the thing. Like He doesn't want to go to a team that where he would be the slam-dunk number one guy, but maybe the quarterback is still, you know, like if he went to Indianapolis, he'd be the slam-dunk, no doubt, number one guy. But then he's got to put a lot of trust in Carson Wentz. Is you don't think really that you don't think the Carson Wentz A B connection could work at all? I think to, A B. I think A B sits there and he says, "If I'm gonna have to do another prove it contract, yeah, the Carson Wentz A B connection or the hypothetical whatever quarterback to me connection could work. But why would I risk that when I could A come back to Tampa play with the goat? I know that connection works, yeah, and he right. loves me." Or B, go to Russell Wilson in Seattle, who is a top-five quarterback and I've worked out with before. So I feel like we have a pretty good Mm -hmm. chemistry together. So I think it's partially because he knows he's not going to get that big-time deal, $15 million a year, uh, that he is going to keep going to contenders. And I think it's also that he's just going to try to keep playing with as many top-talent quarterbacks he possibly can because he has no interest in playing with the the middle-of-the-road quarterback. It's... Pretty obvious what happened whenever Ben went down and he had to deal with some inferior quarterback play. So I don't think he would willingly, for a cheap contract, prove it kind of year, go into a situation where he's unsure of how the quarterback play will be. No, I think that's probably his motivation or his, his thinking, I should say, is that I'm only playing for, you know, top tier type guys. Um, I'm not going to, uh, you know, go somewhere where the quarterback plays bad and I can't be the guy that I know I am. And again, the guy that we all still believe that he is, um, regardless of what you think of him off the field, he's still an incredible football player. But yeah, uh, I do think that, um, you know, he's probably looking at it. Like I said, like I'm either playing with Brady or, you know, I know that he hasn't come out and said that he w- wants to play in Seattle. It's Wilson lobbying for him, but there has to be some sort of communication there. It's just, I do kind of think it is a little bit weird that there's only two teams that have expressed interest. I think they're, you know, not that not that a lot of teams are probably 
lining up at the door to um, bring him in because of all the off the field things that he does bring. But it is just from an on the field standpoint, it's a little bit not surprising. But where are the Ravens? Yeah, I mean that's right. a team that I think it makes a thousand percent sense. You have his for cousin there. After. Yeah, they desperately need a wide receiver too. Okay, and this but, would not only be a wide receiver; it would be a, a like we said, potential top five wide receiver. But with Baltimore, you know their tendency to run the ball is Lamar Jackson's is Lamar Jackson's biggest criticism his inability to to step up in playoff games or is it his inability to kind of be an elite passer? It's, elite, it's, it's he still needs to be the elite passer. And don't you think though, if you're Baltimore, you got to kind of realize like, yeah, the run is awesome, but you need, you can bring you need AD, that passing yeah. threat. You need to make teams think about your passing game e- even a little bit. I, I mean, I understand that they're not going to drastic get an AB and then all of a sudden drastically shift their offense. It would still be a very 60, 40, 70, 30, even probably run heavy 70, offense. 30 at, at the minimum. But I just think that you have to, if you're Harbaugh, step back and recognize that a, you're not going to be winning every single game that you're playing. You're going to have to pass the ball and come from behind eventually. And B in this kind of a league, it's a passing league, you know, Maybe you get into a shootout with the Chiefs. Who has been the Ravens' kryptonite? It's been the Chiefs because the Chiefs just score and score and score, and you can't really keep up with that when you're a run-heavy team. I would say the Chiefs and Belichick and the Steelers' defense. Not so much the offense, but the defense has shut them down pretty much. The Chiefs, I think. I I think every time Lamar goes up against the Chiefs, he gets smacked. I mean, and I just think because the Ravens just aren't designed to play them that well. So I I think that the Ravens are a team that should really be knocking at this door. But – Enough of AB. Get back to the Steelers to, to end this episode. Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously later last week he resigned with the Steelers. Uh, it's been the talk of sports talk in Pittsburgh since that happened. Um, it's just interesting to me the amount of people that really wholeheartedly believe the fact that other teams offered him more lucrative deals and he turned them down they come back to pittsburgh and the teams that are floated out there with that were baltimore and kansas city which just made no sense when you honestly have to say that both of those quarterbacks are better than ben roethlisberger maybe not lamar as a passer but at least as far as what he brings to the team and mahomes is the best in the world and then there was also reports that philadelphia floated him multiple years and he turned that down to come back to pittsburgh that was rebuked by Philadelphia reporters. The agent of Juju reached out to the Eagles. No deal was actually ever offered. So <laughs> it's just funny to me that, you know, in today's day and age, agents can play this game better than ever before because you can just reach out to teams, float out stories to insiders that, yeah, the Eagles had interest. Yeah, the Chiefs had interest. Yeah, the Ravens had a contract. They were interested. And then all of a sudden, the narrative spins out of control where, hey, Juju had three, maybe four offers on the table that were better than the Steelers, and he chose to come back to Pittsburgh because he loves it here. When That just, to me, seems like far-fetched fantasy. I, I, I think that the Steelers were the safest choice for him. They could give him one year, $8 million. He could find himself back on the free agent market. It's a bit of a bet on himself, but I just can't imagine that he would have gotten, say, a one-year $13 million from the Ravens, and he would say, no, thank you, I'll take four five million dollars less to come back to pittsburgh well i mean i think there is something to that but i think the the bigger part of those contracts or the supposed contracts is that they're incentive based and i I mentioned that 
um, before on our last episode when this news first broke that how many incentives can you really get in that Lamar Jackson style offense? Um, you know, I know that he's probably a better quarterback, a better that offense is probably better well-rounded um, than the Steelers is right now. But um, now how many how many options or how many uh, incentives are you going to obtain with Lamar Jackson being probably a below average passer? How many incentives are you going to have being probably the fourth option or the third option at best in Kansas City? Um, I know Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league right now, um, but how many incentives are you going to get? And I think that's something there too that, yeah, I mean, uh, to your point, Tom, like it kind of seems weird that he would come back and, and um, you know, take less money to play with, you know, Ben one last time. Um, but again, like you said, I do think it was his safest option. I think it was in his best interest to come back and, and just play this year out and see what happens because like we keep talking about next year, regardless um, the free agency in, in the market is going to boom. The cap is going to boom. Um, so he's going to get a mega deal regardless, um, you know, next year and, and moving forward. So, um, you know, I don't know if, if it's, you know, fantasy that, that, that those deals, you know, um, happen, but I do think it's important to talk about the fact that they are incentive based and maybe Juju realized, you know, I'm probably not going to get as many incentives as, you know, that, that offer does sound attractive one year, 13 million, but you know, four of that or, or, or three of that is incentive based. So what's the difference just going back to Pittsburgh for one more year? Right. I, it was the smart move. I think for Juju to go back because Kellen, I don't think he would have hit many of those. I mean, with that, that style of play that we've just highlighted in Baltimore saying how it really couldn't work for a B who's a better receiver than Juju is, you know, why would, why would Juju try to go there on a contract that's entirely incentive based? He wasn't going to hit those numbers. So the people out there who are continuing this, this trope or this narrative that Juju, you know, made the move to come back to Pittsburgh because he loves Pittsburgh and it's, he, he cares about the city. It's just, they're not reading in between the lines. They're not reading what actually was put out there for Juju as other options versus coming back to Pittsburgh. It was clearly the best choice for him to come back. You can hear all of our Steelers Standard episodes at Steelers.com. You can subscribe to Apple and Spotify for the podcast. And if you did that and listened to previous episodes, you would know that when we talked about filling a hole on the defense and got into Steve Nelson and him exploring a trade, the Steelers released the statement via the media that they felt Juju was an ascending player and Nelson was a descending mm-hmm. player. And that really played into the decision to bring Juju back and move on potentially from Nelson. I don't think that I buy that. Uh, Forgetting about Nelson, because I think he's actually an ascending player, or at least he's reached his prime. Juju has gotten worse every single season since Antonio Brown left. Callum, what were those numbers versus uh, AB and without AB? 10 100-yard games with. And two, two without. That's descending right there. And his That's total, not descending. That is night and day. His total yardage has gone down since AB left. And, you know, a, Juju's rookie season and second season, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Pro Bowl level play. And it's been a disappointment the seasons following that. And that's the definition of descending. So I'm not really quite sure what the Steelers see out there that would call him an ascending player. Now, granted, maybe they think the potential is still there for him to reach what he had his rookie and his sophomore season in the NFL. But, uh, I mean, I would actually kind of be sitting in my chair as a GM and think Juju's development is kind of reaching a point where it's not going to go anywhere any further or it might start to regress Mm -hmm. a little bit. So 
I don't see any ascension at all. If anything, I see plateauing or potential to decrease his output as far as production is concerned next year. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and you know, I think a lot of people have tried to, to um, debunk the the idea that, that the, the Nelson and, and uh, Juju moves weren't linked. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I kind of, I think I said earlier in the, when we were talking about the defense and Nelson that um, I, I believe what happened is they, they went to Nelson and asked him to take a pay cut. Um, and he said, no, well, why would you ask him to take a pay cut if, you know what I mean, if this move wasn't in mind, you know what I mean? That that obviously means that in some way, shape, or form, this was linked. I mean, why else would right. Nelson just come out of the blue and say, I want to go out of here? That that wouldn't have happened, right? Um, I, you know, I, I you know everyone says that these moves aren't related and all that, but clearly if, if it was, you know, a matter of money, it was related, obviously. It had to be. Um, and I think, you know, I, I don't know if, if – if Nelson is ascending, like you said, Tom, he might just be in his prime and this is the player that he is. But, you know, I made the point that, you know, the last time we talked about Juju and this move was this team with Nelson and without Juju is better than the one with Juju and without Nelson. And there's nothing that you can tell me that'll change my mind on that. There, Absolutely. There's nothing. Absolutely. And no one knows exactly what happened in, in, unless you're part of the front office, right? Those are the only ones that know exactly what happened between these two deals. But one thing that I do know for a fact, Callan, is I would have much rather spent a little bit extra if it meant keeping Nelson than saving money on that deal that the Steelers got with Juju. As much, I mean, as much as I would love to say that I would rather have Nelson than Juju, I'll go one further and say I'd rather I'd rather overpay Nelson than underpay for Juju. Yeah, without question, because first of all, it's more of a position of need that secondary, that cornerback position. You have one true starter in Joe Hayden right now with Nelson kind of being in limbo where mm -hmm. it was kind of a position of strength before this all broke last week. Whereas wide receiver, you take Juju out of that room and I'm still pretty confident in that group. I think that it's probably one of the better groups in the NFL. And I think you even take a sixth or seventh, one of your seventh round picks and use it towards a wide receiver in this year's draft. So I think that that's a position group and you got to factor in the fact that Ebron is just as much as a wide receiver as he is a tight end. So you had four solid receiving threats for Ben Roethlisberger to work with, not even factoring in the potential running back who's going to contribute in the passing game or any potential rookie wide receiver. So mm. I just don't understand why you subtract from a strength to add to a strength. That just doesn't make <laughs> sense. And right. it's not like the strength that you subtract subtracted from was so strong that it's still a strength. You've made it a weakness very clearly because you've undoubtedly taken the best part of it and taken it out of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we made that point, um, you know, a week or yeah, a week ago, I guess now um, when the Juju news went down, like you know, that defense was a strength and that cornerback room was a strength. And now all of a sudden it's a weakness because, um, you, you take away from it, and we all assumed, and I think a lot of people assumed, that that wide receiver room without Juju was still going to be, uh, it might not be you know great on the top end of wide receiver groups sure. in the NFL, but right. it's definitely above average. It's definitely um, you know at least above average to good. It's not below average by any stretch of the imagination. So, And anyone that says that Juju elevates it to another level is well, I think out of it, their mind. I think it makes it better. I mean, it gives right. you another option. It makes you— Yeah, Juju's an above-average wide receiver. Right. They so have he a really strong receiving He's call. not. He's not. He's not— the presence that AB is. I no, mean, when when AB no, left, as a unit, a collaboration, the Steelers probably have 
incredible. I'm incredibly safe saying a top ten receiving core. Yes, they might with even Juju. flirt with a top five. Just talent wise, so many options. Claypool, Deontay, Juju, Washington. Okay, throw Ebron in yeah. there. Do they have the quarterback to make that machine run, mm. though? That's the problem. Right. Like, you're not that kind of offense, no. or at least you shouldn't be trying to be that kind of offense. And that's another thing. Like, this move, again, kind of makes you scratch your head because uh, the Steelers pretty much have gone out and said, you know, Tomlin said we're not going to do the same things over and over and over again and expect, and expect different results. That kind of tells you that they're not going to play offense the same way they did last year. Um, so why would you bring back a, a wide receiver if you, you know you don't plan on throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game? Um, that kind of goes back on that. Um, but you know, as I said when when this when this move was made, that um, you know if you told me that you'd get Juju on a one year eight million dollar deal, you know that's different than what we thought we what he thought he was going to make. I'm sure it's different than what the Steelers thought was going to happen. Um, some so from a, a pure money standpoint, and like I said before, from just an on the field perspective, it does make your offense better. There, there's no question about that. But at the same time, it comes with a huge price um, right. on the back end. It comes with a huge price on the defensive side of the ball. It comes with a huge price, um, you know, moving forward as well. And are you going to play offense differently than you know you did last year? You're still going to throw the ball 40 times with a quarterback who's going to play in his last season. Very well could happen. Um, but again. Um, from a money making stamp or from a money standpoint and on the field standpoint, it makes sense. But everything else, it doesn't make much sense. I think the overarching headline that could be used to summarize the offseason for the Steelers so far is really or that's what the move that's the move you're gonna go with. I like really. Really? Really? Like really, Steelers? Like And really? I think I think the one move that could be put at the top of the list that you could associate the term really with is the is the choice for the Steelers to pay the $8 million to Juju rather than Steve Nelson. Yeah, that's the top one. Yeah. That takes the cake where you go, what? That really caused you to scratch your head. Download, subscribe to Steelers Standards, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Go to Steelers.com and listen to all of the episodes. And while you're at Steelers.com, vote on who you think should be these year's nominees for the Hall of Honor. You have until April 9th to do that. Get your nominations in so that they don't get left off the ballot for when Stan and the committee makes it official who will be part of the 2021 Hall of Honor class. Seriously, don't forget to do that. This is your chance to get your fingerprints on the class. You don't want to miss out on your favorite Steeler not being nominated because you were too lazy to go to Steelers.com. So go do it. And keep listening to Steelers Standard while you're there as well. We always appreciate that. For Jacob Brecht and Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Offerman. We will talk to you on the next episode.